Hey everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. In this episode, I speak to a longtime Product Hunt community member and maker, Josh Howarth. He is the founder of Exploding Topics. In this episode, he's going to talk all about how to bounce back from a bad launch and keep finding ways to iterate on your product. Josh has been there, done it, and even succeeded in finding a co-founder and relaunching again to achieve a really successful product. So he shares honest perspectives of trying and failing, and I think you'll enjoy this. Josh, thank you so much for being on Product Hunt Radio today. It's always such a pleasure to have such an accomplished maker from the community on the show because the majority of our listeners are makers just like you at different stages of the journey. Some of them have launched multiple products. Some of them are still waiting to launch their first product. Some of them are in beta. Some of them are, you know, venture back founders. But the best thing about the show is just taking everyone's experiences and turning them into actionable advice that we can all put into the context of whatever we're working on and whatever we're building. So thanks so much for making time for us today. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. I'm a big fan, often listening to this, this show. So it's, it's fantastic to be on it. Incredible. Now, um, listeners, you're in for a treat because Josh has launched so many different products and been on such a evolution as a maker, learning from each one, how to finally get to the place he wants to be. And, you know, he, he really did this so incredibly with his last few projects to the point where he even got one of his companies acquired. So Josh has agreed to do something fun with this episode and focus on how to bounce back as a maker. So we're going to reflect on all the different launches he's had over the years, all the different projects that he's worked on, and we're going to pull out all the different nuggets of advice that he's learned for folks where the first time you launch, it doesn't quite go to plan, but you know, you just have to keep at it. So we're going to focus on this idea of resilience as a maker and, and how to bounce back from setbacks. And with that in mind, Josh, I thought it could be fun to kind of go to the very, very beginning of your journey and think about that very first SaaS product you set out to build. Every maker's like, I'm going to build SaaS. I'm going to get my first thousand users. I'm going to get my six figure <laughs> ARR. Um, so yeah, let's kind of like go all the way back to the beginning before you even had a company acquired and tell us what problem you wanted to solve and how that turned out. Yeah, well, SaaS is the dream, right? Uh, that recurring revenue. And the problem I fundamentally wanted to solve is like paying my rent month on month. I was like looking to my own problem rather than other people's. And that's not a good start, really. So I, I was looking around at what other people had built and thought, wow, like there's loads of open startups making this much per month, that much per month. And I was doing contract work at the time, like freelance software development, building apps for companies and websites. And I was like, well, I can do this and start making revenue myself and go like full-time product, be my own boss and live the dream, right? So I was looking around at all these other products in the marketplace and I was like getting involved on Indie Hackers, Product Hunt, and a lot of startups and companies being quite open with their revenue. And I was feeling like, well, this is my first, my first SaaS project. I'll start small. There's this guy making like a thousand bucks a month with this exit intent pop-up software. And it was, the twist to it was that it was like a wheel of fortune uh, exit intent pop-up. So like when you go to a website, like an online shop, e-commerce, and then you get the pop-up that asks for your email. Well, this one, and it gives you like a 20% discount if you give your email. This one was a bit different because like it's put your email in to spin the wheel and then maybe you'll win the, the discount. 
Uh, and so it's got like way higher conversion rates. So for e-commerce stores, it really works well. And I was like, well, if this guy's making money from it, I could, I could build something pretty similar and start to make some like SaaS recurring revenue and start to do my own thing. And I, I didn't choose it because like I was fundamentally, fundamentally like crazy about the idea, like interested in it. I just saw that it was working and saw that it solved a problem and increased people's like conversions for their stores and built it. And I was like, I didn't give it much more thought than that. I just built it and thought, then, then I'll make the money, right? But it's not the case like you build it and they come. You've like after you've built it, it took me like two months to build the 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 app. And then I was like, okay, now what? And obviously you've got to go out there and find customers. And I hadn't thought at all about like the channels. And so I was kind of stuck from from day one post-launch with this SaaS app that I'd spent two months building, like with free time after doing contract work. And so then like it was learning time from a marketing perspective. And so I, I dug into SEO and it didn't really make sense for the project. And then I started doing direct email outreach. Um, and I managed to get a few customers like that, but it's quite heavy going. And there was a lot of competition. So um, it was like, I spent six months grinding out, doing like email outreach. And then just like, I'd look online at all the e-commerce stores and like manually go through websites, see if they have an exit pop-up and see how, like, if it's just a regular one, we could help them with the, with the, the spinner sale, we'd be, we'd a fortune one and reach out to them, try and get on a call, sell them. And then it's like 30 bucks a month if they sign up. And the, it was quite sticky. People would stay with it for a long time because it was working. And but then six months later, I'd got it to six hundred bucks a month, and I was like, I was kind of stuck. I didn't know where to go next because, like, I didn't really have any more leads for the direct outreach because I'd been using um, how I built this dot com to like see what pl- other plugins these e commerce websites are running and see like if they'd be a good fit. Uh, I didn't have any more leads to to go for that. I was really tired of it, and I was looking around seeing all these other like SaaS companies doing so much better, taking off faster. And I wasn't really interested in it. Didn't really know of any other channels. I put it on the WordPress plugin store um, and that got a few uh, signups, but pretty low quality signups. You know, they, they don't, it was because we have a free trial too. You get a lot of like, just people come in, trying it, hassling you and then never converting. So at this stage, did you feel that you had, exhausted all of the sales channels that were like immediately available to you it sounds like you did a lot of email outreach so did you sort of get to this point like based on the levers in my possession now that I've kind of like pumped them as much as I can I don't really see how else to kind of push this you know to like 5x or 10x growth yeah exactly I tried LinkedIn outreach too um and it's it was b2b so I think direct outreach was the way to go um, I tried LinkedIn outreach and I just didn't seem to be getting anywhere with it. I looked into SEO thinking that, well, I can just rank the top for like exit intent wheel or wheel of fortune pop up. But like literally nobody's searching for those things. They're all just searching exit pop ups. And then if you, if you want to compete for the top rankings on Google for exit pop up, then you're going against like the really big names who have the whole suite of exit pop up offerings. And everything. So, and they have huge domain authority. So, 
I, I kind of jumped head first into building it, thinking the customers will come. Other people have customers. I'll be able to do that. But really, you, you need to think about the channels that you're going to market through before you build it and save yourself all that time. I mean, in this case, it was a proven product, but the competition was pretty saturated too. Like other people had had success listing it on the Shopify app store because that's a huge distribution channel. And the, the selling point of mine was that you could install it on any website. So that opened up like big commerce and uh, WordPress and everything. But then it's a huge headache to be able to support all those platforms too. So I had this like this product that needed a huge amount of maintenance just to be able to run on everything. And then I just didn't have the channels figured out and yeah, outreach wasn't working. And like six months in after two months before that building it, I was like, this isn't really what I want to be doing for, for years working on an exit pop-up app. And so then not only did I realize you have to have the marketing channels figured out before you go into it, you have to know that you're like, you're ready to work on it for like several years if if you're going to get it somewhere like it's just yeah I think that's such a great point if I had to kind of pull out some of the some of the key lessons in that it it definitely sounds like there was a lot of competition that already existed in that space for the product that you're building and you started to realize that as you were trying to think of other ways to grow probably you're like oh what are other ways I can differentiate maybe that's the way I can grow and then you're like actually this is a really contested space there are a lot of really similar products out there and then the second point you made is that idea of motivation so to want to keep iterating on something and beat the competition and spend like you said years on it developing it changing it improving it you have to be really passionate about that space. So you have to be really passionate about the product you're building and, and that. And it's the passion that gets you through those harder times. Is that what you mean? Right, exactly. Because like every day, if you're grinding it out, doing sales and support and then bug fixes and improving the product, um, like all of your time's going into it. So you have to be like really into it, like passionate about that problem and it should feel like play, not work. If if that's the goal to like run your own business and build a product, in it, you you should go for a space that you're interested in, because somebody else who is passionate about it, it, it they're going to beat you in the end. And then the other thing about this was that like I could see it being a bit of a fad product. Like even if I was prepared to spend like a few years like figuring out the channels to a greater extent and ranking on Google, which I wasn't sure if I could for this product, but even if I was prepared to go for another two years on it and try and get it from 600 bucks to maybe like 2K and so on, like I think people, they'll just get tired of these like Wheel of Fortune style pop-ups. Like they, they were effective because they're new, like people hadn't seen them before. So it's like, what? Like I can like put my email in to spin it's fun. See if you win like a 50% discount or 10% or whatever price. But like once you've seen like three, it's like you just close it like the rest of the pop-ups, right? So I thought, well, I'm putting all this like energy, like this life force into something that's probably just going to like flop after a year and become ineffective. So I need to be building something that that's growing. So I wonder... 
when you get to that realization, thanks so much for kind of like diving in and, and sharing all that detail. When you get to that realization, what comes next? Like, do you actually get to the point where you're like, do I kill my baby? Do I turn this off? Do I stop this so I can focus on something new? Talk to us about that. Right. Well, it's tough because like, it's still making money. And so even when you're not working on it, like it's SaaS. So that's the beauty of it. It's still money coming in. And so that, that project's still running. And it's just shrinking ever so slowly because customers are churning. And so now it's at like 300 bucks a month, but it takes like zero time other than like bug fixes. And so it makes sense just to leave it running. And I've still got a few leads coming in from WordPress and things like that, the the plugin store. But it will come a point like where I'm just going to shut it down, like when it gets to like less than 50 bucks a month. Um, But at, at the time, like after working on it for six months, I, I'd started thinking about like, what's the next thing? This isn't it. I need to do the next thing before like I run out of time, run out of like savings from freelance contracts work and like can't pay my bills anymore. I was, I was living in Japan at the time and like the, the place was pretty cheap where we, we, we were renting. But even still, like I still needed money coming in and like 600 bucks a month wasn't really cutting it. So I was looking around and I was seeing these other guys like, who'd been successful in like the maker space, like the classic ones like Peter Levels. He, he made Nomad List. Uh, and it, that was based on like the digital nomad and like remote work trends. Like he, he kind of tapped into this, like this latent demand that was there, but wasn't like being fulfilled by the marketplace. Like people were interested in this whole like digital nomad lifestyle and like where they can go to travel around the world and what what the the environment is there in terms of like the internet speeds and all that kind of thing. And he couldn't find that information for himself while he was trying to do that. And so he put together the app Nomad List and kind of tapped into that trend and since then grew massively. And he like as an add-on, he 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 built the remote okay job board for remote work jobs. And it seems so much like easier that way if you find this this trend that's untapped before it gets saturated by competition. Like I'd been like saturated by competition and just like trying to differentiate and trying to figure out marketing. If there's if it's like a wave, if you can find a wave to ride and untapped demand, like the marketing comes easy because people wanted this thing and they they didn't have it before. And like another example. Um, that I saw was um, like podcasting. That was like, that's a huge trend right now. Like we're on a podcast right now, uh, like Product Hunt Radio and podcasts are huge right now. Uh, I mean, they, they were huge in the early 2000s and then kind of dipped and now they're, they're trending again. Um, and this time, Justin Jackson from Transistor FM, that's, that's just another SaaS that did that does um, podcast hosting and they kind of spotted this like second rise of podcasting and they saw that a lot of companies are like instead of having a blog like every company has they're also like now having a podcast as a marketing channel and so he saw this opportunity of like combining that um, with the podcasting trend and selling podcast hosting to companies and so it just started to become really clear that it's like 
it's a hundred times easier to bootstrap a profitable online business if you ride one of these big market trends. And just looking around, I needed to find one of these if I wanted to do it myself. And then I'd know it was like worth spending a few years on because you'd grow with the opportunity um, and the competition wouldn't be too fierce either. Um, so that's, that's when I start, started to build um, a project called Trend to just kind of scratch my own itch, uh, which would like spot these upcoming trends, like hence the name. And then I could try and capitalize on it. At the point where you started observing what was happening, Nomadless, products like Nomadless and the work that Peter Levels was doing and Transistor FM and the work that Justin Jackson was doing, both of whom are awesome makers we've had on the show as well. Were you at that point before you started building trends thinking that you would end up building trends or were you still like, let me just see what's happening and see if any of the the keywords that keep being searched for or like the macro trends that are happening align with any of the things I'm already interested in? Was that sort of your first assumption or or maybe it wasn't? I don't know. I was, I just wanted to build something for myself to use. Like I, at first, it was just literally some code like scripts that were monitoring the web for interesting topics um, and then plugging them into Google Trends to see, to calculate if they're trending. And then it would spit them out on the command line, like uh, in the CLI, like literally as like command line graphs and numbers and keywords. And so I'd look through that and I'd be like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Like, hmm, maybe there's something here. So I didn't really intend for it to become a product or an app in itself, but like I'd gone to all this trouble and collected like hundreds and hundreds of like really interesting trends that I thought, well, this, this is solving a problem for me. Um, I might as well like wrap it up in a web app and throw it up online and see if it gets any interest just, just as something fun to do um, because I'm finding it valuable and other people might too. And so I, I, built a Next.js web app and put it up. I put it on Reddit and I, I kind of, I've had experience before posting on Reddit trying to market stuff and it's pretty brutal. Like if you're promoting, they're just gonna, they're gonna kill you on that. So I kind of came up, came in with my shield up with, with my guard up and I put like the top 57 trends I detected from these programs and said, look, here's a bunch of trends you could use uh, for business stuff, it was in the entrepreneurship subreddit uh, and like the startup subreddit. Let me know if you think these are any good. I've also wrapped it up in a in an app called Trendlist.io, uh, and I'd love to get feedback on that. And that initial like post on Reddit just after I'd built it, uh, it did really well. It, it got like a few hundred upvotes, and it got Reddit gold. People seemed to really like it. And then it was at that stage that. I, I thought, well, maybe I have something here in itself. Maybe this isn't just a tool I'm going to use to find my next SaaS project and the next big trend to, to ride to build a, a SaaS project around. Well, maybe maybe this could be it. Let's just see how far I can take it. And I also, like, I'd learned from this project and from the previous one, I learned for this project, should I say, that I needed to be collecting emails, like, the next best thing to getting money from people to validate a project is getting their email address. I mean, obviously, if you can get money, that's that's proof right there. But an email address, that's that's pretty good. Like, that's worth something. 
and people want to hear from you then. So I put like a little subscribe box on the website. And just from that Reddit post alone, I got like 80 subscribers. I was up to a few hundred, uh, like nearly 500, I think, within a few weeks. And, and that was really fast. And so you kind of feel it when you, when you have something. I guess that's a big lesson. Um, I've learned from building different things. Like you can feel it when you have something that people like and that is taking off. It feels so much more different. Like with the, with the previous SaaS app, the exit intent thing, it felt like I was pushing like a boulder uphill. Like you push it up and up. It's really hard work just to gain each new customer, like 30 bucks a month. And like every time you stop working, and stop pushing the the huge boulder just like rolls back down on you customers churn and you go backwards whereas like this thing was like a snowball like everywhere like i posted it people loved it and shared it and it just kept growing and growing and so it just seemed to like even though like i wasn't making money it was growing in in terms of the number of email subscribers i had and so it just made sense to keep working on it just going back to that josh you said that you felt a significant difference just in terms of how people responded to it was there anything you did differently I mean you mentioned you kind of shared it on reddit was there anything that you also did differently the first time you started sharing it publicly with people or do you feel that it was purely just down to the utility of it that made folks love it so much yeah you you have to be conscious of like where you're sharing it like the unwritten rules like like for reddit for instance like they hate promotion so if you go in just trying to promote they're just going to downvote you even if you're like if even if you've got the best products in the world and it's free and it's going to make them a huge amount of money then they're just going to downvote it if they sense any kind of promotion or anything like off so like that's why i went in saying look i'm trying to i literally said i'm going to try and provide value first and ask for feedback second. Uh, that was my opening line because I knew like that they're, they're so defensive against promotion on Reddit. And and then I so I gave them the trends like in text format so they didn't have to go off platform. Um, Fifty seven of them so that they could use and these were like interesting trends like new products that like people were getting into or new industries or new technologies. All of which like these entrepreneurs could potentially use and make money from uh, or sell and then at the bottom I asked for for them to check out the app and ask for feedback so yeah you definitely you need to know the the channel that you're marketing into and like this time I'd been around a bit longer and so I kind of knew that and so this kind of played into the next launch I did was on Hacker News and Hacker News is is pretty tough in general because there's just so much noise on there. But if you can make it to the front page, it can be massive. And so I posted on I, the main launch. So like the, the Reddit launch was like almost pre-validation. I got a bunch of like feedback from that and improved things with the, the app. And I, I actually renamed it from trend list to trend and like just make improve like the time frame so that you could look at trends like over just one month and over 15 years and all the way in between not just like five years which was previously the only option and a whole bunch of other stuff and then I took that and, and did the main launch on on um, Hacker News so it was like it was like step by step you know like a small launch to pre-validate it get feedback see if it's even worth continuing with 
and then improve it based on the feedback and then do a bigger launch. You don't want to jump straight to like you're, you're getting it in front of a bunch of people before it's ready and before it's not quite good enough. But then with, with Hacker News, the, you've got kind of like a secret in with show Hacker News projects because a lot of stuff drowns in the noise, but show Hacker News projects get a bit more attention, a bit more love because like they, they love projects and makers on there just as much as product hunters. And so I posted it up there and then I did the, the classic like intro comment just to say like, hey, I'm Josh, this is what I've built and give a bit of an explainer around it. And then I was hanging out in comments the whole time to reply to people. And so that's kind of how you approach market, like posting your project on, on Hacker News. So like you have to know the, the ins and outs of the, the marketing channels for sure before you post, otherwise you're just going to get kind of like batted away. Um, so it's definitely good to know your audience and to ideally be the person you're trying to to market to because then you understand them. Like in this case, I was like the wannabe entrepreneur, like the entrepreneur who's trying to find the next big like trend to ride, to ride a wave, to build a project and su- successful internet business around. And so like I know where other people like me hang out. But then with the previous project, like I I can guess and I know kind of where to look for e-commerce businesses. But like to them, I haven't been there before. It's clear that I'm just trying to promote. I don't really know what I'm doing in like e-commerce Facebook groups or on LinkedIn doing outreach. So um, it's it's definitely better to to know your audience and be one of them if if you're trying to sell to them but that that hacker news launch went really well we 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 jumped onto the front page like after a, after a little while not and then we went to the number two spot and we had like 400 people on the website at once and the website crashed it was like friday at midnight japan time because i was trying to do it while people in europe and the us were awake the the site crashed like the famous hacker news hug because um, like the database was just getting flooded. And so I had to figure that out. And uh, it was because I was on the free database plan. Like I was doing everything as cheap as possible. And so I upgraded to the paid like plan for the database, restarted it, and then got back online uh, 50 minutes later. So I was at number two on Hacker News with the website down for 15 minutes. But even still, like it did really well. Um, we got like 2,000 subscribers just from that, um, email subscribers. And it was really clear that people liked it a lot. So again, I thought, well, this this could be it rather than being like what sparks the idea for the next projects. This this can be the projects. Like it's clearly solving a problem. People like it a lot. Uh, people haven't seen something like this before. I mean, there's other like, things out there that I'm just like email newsletters, but there's not like a web app where you can just go in, look at trends, click through the pages, analyze the data. And then the whole thing started to spill over to Twitter and like Rand Fishkin tweeted about it. He's got like half a million followers and loads of people retweeted, tweeted. And like the snowball just kept growing and the email list kept growing and I wasn't even doing anything. So like, it's just so obvious when you're onto something, um, it kind of promotes itself and snowballs like that. So 
that's how I knew. Like you can feel it when you're on something with a project and you can usually tell pretty quickly if you're putting it out there and showing people and then you can fail fast and move on to the next thing. And that's probably what I didn't do with the previous projects. I probably should have quit after two months trying to sell it, but I persisted for six months. Whereas like I, sh- I should have stopped sooner and moved on, I think. Yeah, well, I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty, as they say. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of different like headline points I kind of want to pull out from what you said there. So you talked about this idea of having lots of different launches, almost like mini launches as experiments or as tests before you go for that big launch. And I think that's so clever because just as you pointed out, instead of putting all your eggs in one basket and kind of going, okay, this has to go well because I'm I'm hoping all my traffic is going to come from this, you're actually getting a lay of the land and kind of understanding, okay, well, there are lots of different communities and uh, sites that I can share the product with. They all have different audiences and different vibes. Um, so maybe I should just be a bit more careful and considered and actually think about having a series of launches because at, with each one, I can, you know, change the angle or the selling points and, and, and learn from those. So I think there's like a lot of value in that. And the other thing that you mentioned that I just wanted to point out and echo was the fact that it's really important if you are depending on a community for a successful launch, it's really important that you participate in that community and get a sense of for it. And also, gain some karma in that community. Um, I know in Reddit, you literally can't get karma, but you know, I also just mean it in the general sense of the word. So spend some time being active in that community, um, you know, posting in that community, commenting on that community, giving votes. I know um, you didn't say that exact specific detail in this story, but when you've written about trying to launch on Hacker News before, I know you mentioned that you actually went to submit the post and then like you were blocked because they hadn't seen a lot of activity on your account, even though it was like a few years old. And so it's all these little things that you can't really anticipate that could always come up as a roadblock. So as you advised, if you as a maker are spending time in those communities, getting to know them, it's just making it a lot easier for when you eventually share your project. Yeah, definitely. I'd like it's it's worth pointing out I didn't launch it on product hunt yet either because I was kind of I was leaving that for later I wanted to save that um, until like I'd improve the product further and I didn't really know what I was going to achieve just yet with it um, with the product hunt launch I was still trying to figure it all out because it wasn't monetized so I'd had all this traction but it still wasn't monetized so I was still kind of stuck even though I had this growth. Um, but I think it's much nicer problem to have, to have growth, but no monetization yet than to have like the monetization angle, but no growth. Personally, I, I, I think it's an easier problem because you can usually figure out how to monetize something later if, if it's valuable. Um, but it's not always easy to, to grow something, even if you know how you're going to charge for it, like I found with the previous project. So like, yeah, that's that's how I spent the next couple months after that, trying to figure out how I was going to monetize it and um, improving the app further, trying to grow it. Um, and I started a newsletter just to keep myself accountable and to keep in touch with all these email subscribers I'd picked up. So I was sending them weekly trends, just like literally a, a list of trends um, and giving them an update on my progress and improving the app. Uh, and then randomly like, Peter Levels would tweet out about it because he found it, discovered it, liked it. 
I ran a, a comp like a Twitter poll to rename it from trend, uh, trend list to trend. Like I gave a few options and thought it was like a good marketing opportunity. Like one of the options was like, was like nice trend bro or uh, trend for nice trend bro wasn't my suggestion. It was, it was my wife's. Uh, and then like Peter Levels voted for trend and tweeted about it, said that he liked it. And so I'd get these traffic spikes from when like it was being shared online without me doing anything and new subscribers coming in. And then um, out of the blue in September last year, uh, I got an email from Brian Dean from Backlinko. Uh, and Backlinko is this huge blog, this SEO blog. And I looked, I, I got the email out of the blue and I was like, I, I kind of, this, this name looks familiar. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, damn, that's Brian Dean. He's huge in the SEO world. And had a bit more of a look around. And the, the email said, hey, Josh, great work with Trend. It's really well done. I wonder if you've considered selling if so, uh, let me know. Otherwise, keep up the great work. And I was like, well, I'm kind of stuck trying to figure out how to monetize it. And like, I think it'd be a great opportunity to take his experience and his audience and combine to, to figure out that monetization angle, to improve the product like further, keep it running. Because I'd been running that thing for like, running trend for six months and it hadn't made any money and it's, it's it's starting to cost money with like server costs data costs and all the rest and so he he acquired it and we we got on a, a skype call just after after my wedding actually and after one an hour like 15 minutes we were like pretending to shake hands over the screen uh having agreed to for me to to sell the site to him and me to, ke- to keep a revenue stake so that we could both jointly work on the projects going further and improving it. And he, he saw the potential in it. He'd seen the traction and he'd been lucky into like trying to build something similar. And then he saw this and thought, well, that's exactly what I was looking to build. Like, I'll just get in on this. But as well as the potential, he saw like the monetization problem. Like these, these trends, like, it's pretty hard to quantify the value to people. It's like the, the value is a bit spiky. Like if I'm sending an email out to people with trends, like maybe nine out of 10 or 99 out of 100 trends aren't really, they don't use, they're not valuable. But maybe one, they go away and make a whole business around or add it as a product in, to their e-commerce business or make a SaaS around. Uh, but that one time out of 100, they're not going to pay you like 10% of their company just for giving them the idea. But, and equally, they're not going to pay you like 100 bucks a month just for a list of like awesome opportunities and trends and insights. So it's really hard to price. And so we, but the potential is there. So that's why he decided to go and acquire the, the, the app off me. And so it was, it was fantastic, really. And getting to keep a, a revenue stake and work on it further with him. So now we're both co-founders um, and we rebranded it. So Brian came along and he, he, he's he been great, really. He's a really smart guy and he's got a lot of experience. So he knows for like the best way to take the project. I was going to build a whole community around it um, to discuss upcoming upcoming trends. And like, like almost like a product hunt, but for trends. But then he was like, my headache, my headache detector is going off right here because that's a huge amount of like moderation you have to do just against spam, against everything else. 
and it's not even monetized. Let's just like improve the core value, which is getting better, like cooler, hotter trends faster for people. And we we rebranded. He brought in like designer and uh, everything else. And we relaunched as explodingtopics.com with a brand new site design. Looks a hundred times better. It looks like a product rather than like a project now. And explodingtopics.com because before it was trend with two ends.co. It's pretty hard to just to like share that verbally with people. And it's you need to have the .com really. So we, we went with explodingtopics.com. Even though it's a bit longer, it's just so much clearer, simpler. It's a .com. And we launched it on Product Hunt as Exploding Topics uh, with the whole redesign with the streamlined focus and improvements. And now it's like the technology is scanning the entire web to identify like upcoming exploding trends across like search, social, um, everywhere. And it's detecting like products, fashion, um, like business, tech, health trends, all of that. And we launched it on Product Hunt at the start of December and it, it did really well then. Uh, so again, that was like the third launch and it, it got number one product of the, of the month. And it, it, it helped because we had quite a refined product at this time uh, with a huge number of trends, cool trends, interesting trends um, with validated interest. And so we thought it'd do well. And it was really good to see like people lo- like it a lot. It got like two and a half thousand upvotes uh, and we got a huge amount of traffic too. And we kind of coordinated our efforts on that. That was the main launch. And we, we coordinated our efforts. I wrote up the, the huge story behind it and posted it on Medium and put it on Hacker News again. And it did well on there and drove a bunch of traffic and posted it all around like Reddit and stuff. And Brian like told his audience, he's got a huge backlink audience. He told them about exploding topics on like his email list and on LinkedIn. And so we did this huge coordinated attack to launch the product Uh, sent everybody to explodingtopics.com and we weren't even converting for email subscribers then we were just seeing how people react to the product and the the email subscribe was buried right down in the footer Um, well it was a link in the footer that took you to a whole new page to subscribe and we still got like 3,000 new subscribers just from that and people kept asking like what happened to like we want an, an email newsletter what happened to the previous one it kind of stopped happening we, we were loving that. So we started the email newsletter again, uh, but this time like way better. Before it was just like literally 10 or five trends, like just literally what the name of the trend. But now each week we do Exploding Topics Tuesday, which is um, five trends with like a huge amount of like insight and analysis around each trend, telling people how they can attack the, the opportunity, how they can take advantage of that trend like specific keywords that are low competition or, or things like that. So like, for example, the one trend lately has been posture corrector, uh, which is like this contraption, this device that makes you stand straight with your shoulders back. And, and um, so you could sell that as an e-commerce product. And right now it's like it's exploding in the number of searches. There's tens of thousands of people searching for it. But then when you when you search it, the top result is like a YouTube video of a teenage girl like demoing like how it works and she's got this tiny channel 
But if you had like um, an e-commerce store for posture correct devices, or if you're an affiliate for them, you could make a killing from this. Uh, and then like an even cooler example of somebody like using explodingtopics.com, like as I meant for it to be used, like to, to find a, a wave to build a SaaS app around. This guy's made, um, I, I spotted on Indie Hackers actually, he's made a, an app called Influence Grid. He's called Andy, and he, he made a post saying he used Exploding Topics to find this idea for, for Influence Grid. And it's basically, it's a SaaS app that shows um, TikTok influencers and nano influencers on TikTok. And it's like a database for them and people can pay to subscribe. And he saw the TikTok trend on exploding topics and the nano influencer topic and like combined them to make this, to put two and two together and realize like there was this opportunity here and built this app. And now he's making like a thousand bucks a month after just like two months of working on this thing. So it's really cool to see that like somebody go running with like, the purpose behind like why I personally built exploding topics and and having success with it and getting to a thousand bucks like after two months when it it's that's so quick. Yeah, it must be so rewarding to build something that folks are are finding value in. I just wondered now that you're you know in a co-founder um, partnership and you've had that experience of rebranding and things like that. If you were to do that all over again. Is there anything you do differently or any nuggets of wisdom you could share with makers that might be at a similar point in their journey too, where they built something and now someone's going to come on board as a partner and you know contribute to a partnership? Just wonder if there are any things you could share on that. I think it's really important to find the right person to work with. Like Brian's like a fantastic co-founder for this because he's got so much experience. He's a really smart guy. Like he usually knows which direction to go with something. That, and he's really like fun to work with. And he, he's a cool guy. He's, he's laid back. I went to Portugal to, to visit him uh, in January uh, to hang out. And it, it's really important because like, you work with them every day. And it's crucial to the success of the project. And I wouldn't be too like fast just to choose anybody. Like I... If you have something that's like getting traction, a lot of people start to reach out to say like, I'd love to like get involved to work on it with you. And you don't really know these people, like they're just random people off the internet. And there's a lot of risk in that. Like you have different like ideas of where the product's going, different um, like motivations, different work ethics and work styles. And like it, I'd probably say like if you've, already got something with traction just like stick with the devil you know and that's that's yourself but in this case like brian's a huge name in the seo world and online and i had great rapport talking to him online over video even in that first call and so it was clear that it was going to work and like there wasn't any risk there for me like if anything he was going to make everything move so much faster with like his resources experience and and audience so i think yeah make sure it's good like co-founder fit make sure that you know them that they're going to bring a lot and if you don't know that for sure maybe you don't need to 
That's brilliant. I think you're right. I think um, understanding the value that they add and knowing that it'll work because you've already, you know, getting along great when collaborating and thinking about projects is is super duper valuable. Now, I know you wrote about a lot of your learnings as a maker on on Medium. Is that something that you still do? Is that something that you're, you're going to do more of? Because it sounds like you've got a ton of unique experiences that folks can learn from. Yeah. So that I, I wrote monthly updates as I was working on the projects for the six, first six months. And then they were, I kind of combined all of those six into the big article that I posted on launch with the whole story, with the acquisition story. And I, I haven't kept writing monthly updates because it was more something I did when I was working alone. I think writing updates and keeping people updated on your progress is fantastic when you're like a sole founder because like it keeps you accountable. Like each month you need to have something to write about. So you should make progress and it helps to like clarify your thoughts and your direction. Like just to make sure you you're making sense with where you're going and it helps to like get support from other people who reach out and offer to like feedback and advice and guidance when you're doing this all by yourself, like you don't know if you're going crazy or not. Like I worked on it for six months without making any money. So I I just, I didn't know which direction to take it. Sometimes I knew I needed to monetize it pretty quick because I was needing to pay the bills, but um, I didn't know what that strategy was looking like. And I was like, it was taking up a lot of my like headspace. And so being able to write things down just helps to like, solidify things and i'd recommend it to anybody who's working by themselves but since then like because i'm working with brian we can discuss things with each other and i feel like we've entered the next phase i don't really need to do that as much but if i was to start something again by myself i definitely absolutely would and i'd recommend it to anybody else that's awesome josh thank you so much for like sharing on sharing all these learnings you've had on the journey of building trends and now exploding topics. Before I let you go, my favorite part of the show is when I get to ask people about their favorite products. So it could be something cool you just bought for your house that you're really excited about um, or anything really, maybe an app, might be a physical product, but you know, we love products here at Product Hunt. So this is just your time to share some fun stuff with us. So there's this product called the Stojo right now, um, which is like, it's this foldable cup that you, you can put hot drinks in. So it's like this plastic cup that you, it's like a flask, but travel friendly. It just compacts down. And so like you can just take a coffee out and then you, instead of holding this cup that you don't know what to do with, you just fold it together. Um, and that was an exploding topic on our newsletter a while back. And then, yeah, I guess... I, I, I have a lot of choices because like every week I'm finding new products on exploding topics and researching them and putting them in the, the weekly newsletter. So uh, I'm, I'm seeing these all the time. Like, like the posture corrector I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then like, Do you have a posture corrector now? <laughs> no, I don't. No. I suppose you have to have it though for it to be a favorite. Can you just like look at it and want one in for it to be a favorite? <laughs> don't know if that counts. Don't know if that counts. <laughs> So yeah, the Stojo then. Awesome. Amazing. And for folks that want to find out more about you and what you're working on, where should they go? Yeah, go to explodingtopics.com. So you can see the the app that shows you like where you can discover upcoming topics that 
Um, you can build a business around across health, business, marketing, fashion, all of these things. Um, maybe it, you can find an affiliate product or something to build a SaaS around. And the newsletter, if you join the newsletter every week, we send like at least five exploding topics and insight and analysis around them uh, so that you can take advantage of them and build a, an online business successfully. Amazing. Josh, thanks so much for being on Product Hunt Radio. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into Product Hunt Radio. I've got a favor to ask you. Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now? Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.